Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This morning, I want to share with you a message that kind of bounces off what we just did in praying for one another. I really think the Lord has kind of worked some of the song selection, what the Lord laid on Pastor Bethany's heart to share, and what's, uh, what we prayed about, and now what I want to preach about all together. He's worked it together. Um, I want to talk to you on the subject of having peace with God. And before I go much further than that, I want to make sure I awaken you to the idea that there is a difference between the peace of God and having peace with God. The peace of God is a, a derivative of having peace with God. And if you try to, if, if you crave or hunger for the peace of God, but you don't have peace with God, then you're kind of craving something that's outside of your reach. But once you realize, dude, I do have peace with God, then what happens is that begins to bear fruit of peace in your life. I want to talk to you about peace with God. I remembered as I was studying this uh, message, getting ready, I remember this the story, uh, or maybe I should say the account, shortly uh, following War World II of a, uh, a soldier, and I'm going to destroy his name. Is that okay? I, I struggle with, with uh, anything that's harder than Paul, Steve, and Bill. I struggle with. This guy's name, I believe, is Hiro Onata. That, I do know for sure that's his picture, according to Google. Um, but this guy was, a, uh, he, he was in the Philippines during the war. He received, he and three other officers assigned to his command were given this task to sabotage the enemy and never surrender under any circumstances. How many of you have heard this guy's story before? A few of you? What's unique about this soldier's story was not only was he true to his orders, that when the war was over, news never reached him. So for 29 years after the war was over, he and his little band continued to sabotage and attack the positions on this island, they began to continue to attack. Uh, they tried to, uh, to communicate with this, uh, with this leader, with this, uh, with this unit, if you will. They dropped thousands of pamphlets by plane into the, uh, the, the place where they were positioned, hoping he would find a pamphlet. And, and the pamphlets communicated the fact that the war was over, a peace deal has been struck, and that he can freely lay down his arms, stop fighting, and enjoy peace. But when they received the message, those pamphlets from the air, he thought it was just fake news. He thought it was a trick of the enemy to get him to abandon his post. So no matter what, he refused to stop fighting the war for 29 years. It finally took, they had to find his commanding officer for, from 30 years ago and send him in before he was finally convinced the war was over. 
This morning, I want to talk to you about the message, peace with God, because I tell you today, your war can be over, peace can be yours, because Jesus came, and all the hostility between humanity and God has been cured through Jesus. Amen? I'll be honest with you, I grew up in church, I mean, I tell people I was in church nine months before the doors were open, if you want to do the math on that. I mean, if the, if the church was open, I was there. We open, if it wasn't open, my parents would open it. We, that's just the, how I grew up. But can I also tell you, I was, I was probably 19 years old before the concept that God is for me and not against me ever really sunk in. I knew the Word of God, I had encounters with God, but I always felt like God was opposed to me. I didn't have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, listen to this, verse number 1, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we talked about that the last few weeks, about being justified, just like you've never sinned, since you've been justified through faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access. If you have like a real live Bible, you want to underline something or highlight it in your tablet or phone. I love this part. We've gained access by faith into His grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. That's a huge statement. No matter how the battle of your life is going, hope in Jesus never disappoints. There's been seasons of my life where I felt like, Hope had disappointed me. I felt like God had failed me. I felt like somehow what I had believed for was a dead-end road. But here's what I've discovered. If you will keep your faith in Jesus, even those seasons that we thought were disappointments, God can redeem them and we'll see that our hope in Jesus never disappoints. If your faith has disappointed you, that only means one thing. You're not to the end of the story yet. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He's given us. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners. Sorry, there goes my King James Version kicking in. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Let me read two more verses. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. Father, I love you and I thank you for what you've already done in our service and this time together. We just confess that everything that is beneficial to us comes from you, not from us. So Father, we need your help, 
your Holy Spirit to empower us to speak what you want spoken, enable us to hear what you want us to hear, and then give us the courage and the boldness and faith to respond to your word. And we'll give you thanks. Everybody in the room said amen. This passage has a few famous verses. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Pretty famous verse. Um, 5-4, the, the development of God in our life, how He develops us, perseverance and character and hope. How he, but then there's a disturbing portion of the Scripture. Verse 10, for when we were enemies of God, I don't know about you, but I've never really used that phrase to define my life, that I was once an enemy of God. Even on my worst day, I would not define myself as an enemy of God. But there's good news. The Word says that we have moved from being enemies of God to having peace with God. So if you ever felt like the Lord was against you, the good news is you have moved from hostility to peace, from broken relationship to the opportunity of a healed relationship. But we need to realize, I want to go one step further, the fact is God was never working against you. Your sin was working against Him. The hostility that exists between humanity and God is not caused because God's anger towards us. It is caused by the, by the sinfulness of our flesh, our nature, our self, our, what we do in the natural, which is sinful. That was actually warring against the abundant life that God has for us. And there was no way for us to overcome that. So God sent Jesus to come and take our place so that our hostility towards God could be healed and removed. So today I want to talk to you about how can we embrace this peace with God. And if you walked in the door this morning feeling like God was somehow opposed to you, I hope you leave this place today understanding God is for you. Every person who responded to the front this morning, which I just know, I've, I, I, this is not in the Bible, some things you just know because you've done what you do in a long time. Here's what I know. That those people that came forward for prayer this morning represents about probably a third of the people in this room who God was dealing with drawing you. Because we get in ourselves and we don't respond when we know we should. Right? We, don't, we don't give God the chances to, to touch us. And the reason I know that happens is because it's happened to me over and over again where I felt the Lord drawing me and I resisted for whatever reason. But I want you to know this morning, God is for you. The reason He drawed on your heart this morning was because He's for you, not because He's against you. The reason He convicts us of our sin is not because He's against us. It's because He's for us, because He's wanting to set us free from those things that are destroying us. So how do we have rights, or how do we have peace with God? Number one, you have to realize Peace with God comes from right standing with God. We talked about that a lot the last few weeks. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. I love the present tense 
form of that sentence. We have, not that we will have someday peace with God, but we can have peace with God today. You can have peace with God today. You can understand, you can move to the position where you know inside your knower, wherever that's located, that God is for you. He's on your side. He is not working against you this morning. He's working for you. The, the question is, are we working for Him or against Him? See, when I come to faith in Jesus and I allow Him to transform my life, then I have right standing. But a big question is, do we realize that the sin we allow, and I know no one likes to talk about sin today, so that's why I signed up to do it. Do, do we realize that, that sin, do you understand sin works against God's plan in your life? That God is working on your behalf but our sin works again, the work works against the work he's trying to do. There's things that God is trying to work out for me, but my sin keeps him from being able to work it out. He's waiting on me to surrender different parts of my life, different parts of my attitude, different parts of my control, so that he can bring the life and the freedom I desire. So, Sin does several things. Number one, sin delays the gifts that God has for me. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 5, verse number 25. I'll just read the bottom part for time's sake. It says, your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. There are some things that God wants to do in our life today, but they're on pause until I surrender what I'm hanging on to. There, there are times when God has blessings in, our, in His hand that He wants to put in our hands. But our hands are so tightly clenched to, to our past and things that we don't want to let go of that He cannot release what's in His hands because we're unwilling to release what's in our hands. My girls say it like this. They'll be full of books and backpacks, and they'll say, Dad, I'm just full of hands. Sometimes, spiritually, we are full of hands. And we can't, we can't, our hands are full. We can't receive what God wants us to receive. Our sin delays the gifts that God has, has for me. Here's the second thing about sin. It derails the work that God wants to do through me. Did you know there are amazing things, and I don't use that word lightly, there are amazing things that God wants to do through you, but He cannot do them. Our sin derails what He wants to do through us until we release those things, confess those things, repent of those things before Him. Do you remember in the Old Testament the story of a guy named Achan? God was granting His people success, but God told them, Listen, when you go in, you can't take anything from this, from this battle. You've got to leave it. You're leaving it is a sign of you trusting me. But Achan just saw something that was too good to leave behind. And he took it and he buried it in his tent. And because of his sin, even though God granted them the winning of a great battle... They lost an easy battle, the next one, because their sin was hindering what God wanted to do for them. Which leads me to my next point, is that our sin also 
denies, and this is a huge thing, it denies that God's heart is for me. I want to say that again. God's heart is for you. I want to say it again because if anyone leaves today and someone asks you on Monday what I preached about, I hope you can tell them, number one, peace, something about do with peace with God. And number two, he told me God is for me. I want to tell you this morning, God is for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not trying to harbor things from you. But can I also tell you the enemy, the devil, he really does exist. And he is really trying to convince you that God is opposed to you. And you can't trust him with the important things of your life because he's trying to keep things from you. Can I tell you, God is not trying to keep any good thing from you. No good gift will God withhold from his children. Oh, look at, look, the word says that every good and perfect gift, it comes from your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mom, or your daddy. No, every good and perfect gift, it comes from him. It comes from him. And if I don't get it from him, it's not going to be good. Write that on a t-shirt, Okay. If it's from God, it's going to be good. If it's not from God, I don't care if it comes clothed in a Lamborghini. It's not going to be good. Pastor, I have a hard time believing anything that comes in the cockpit of a Lamborghini can't be. I have a hard time believing that. I understand. So did Eve. The way... That sin got us into this mess in the first way. Was the enemy convinced Eve, you know, God's really not for you. God's really trying to keep something from you. God knows the day you eat of this fruit, you're not going to die. You're going to be like him. Right? The enemy began to question, is God trustworthy? And here's the thing. When I sin... My sin is basically a testimony that I don't trust God with this area of my life. That's what sin sin is simply a it's, it's an ex, it exposes which part of my life I don't trust God with. But peace with God means my heart is aligned with the Lord. Have you ever needed your uh, your tires aligned on your car? You ever driven a car that the tires were not aligned? What happens? It tries to go one way. Some of you had that happen. You just didn't know what it's called. <laughs> All right, you, this tire's trying to go this way. This tire might be going the opposite way or straight. Or, or maybe you, you, you look at your tires and they're all worn out. And you take it to the shop and they say, well, you not only need new tires. If you just put new tires on there, what's it going to do? It's going to wear out again. Sometimes, spiritually speaking, we don't, we, don't, we don't want our lives to be aligned with the Lord. We just say, Lord, give me new tires. Can I tell you, there's something better than just getting a temporary fix for our life. We need to align our life with the Word of God. And then all of a sudden, it's not wearing us out before. Peace with God, spiritually speaking, it brings alignment. Our old nature goes away and we put on this new way of thinking. So how... how how does God grant us this peace? Number one, He forgives us of our sins. Any sin Jesus brings up, He's not bringing it up to condemn you. He's bringing it up to forgive you and bring you freedom. 
I like what Romans chapter 4 said, blessed is the man whose sins are not counted against him. You know how you become that man or woman whose sins are not counted against you? You just confess them to the Lord. You ask him to forgive you, cover them, and then as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's going to remove those sins from you. And I know that's hard for us to believe because that's not how a lot of us operate. You know, there's, there's books you can read about this. This doesn't happen to people that uh, attend the assembly, but there's books you can read about other people that says that sometimes when married couples get into arguments, that uh, one of the destructive things they do is they, they bring up in this fight something from a previous fight. And so even though they're, they're living in 2023 and they're arguing over, you know, who lost the remote control or the television, that grows into another argument they had in 2017. And then the next spouse brings up something about 2013, and the last, you know, they, they just kind of, well, yeah, well, you did this, and, you know, things that they thought was forgiven gets brought up again. Can I tell you, that's not how God is. When He forgives us, He chooses to forget them, to not hold them against us anymore. Here's the second thing, how He grants us peace. He forgives us of our sins, but number two, He grants us access. Look at verse two. Through Him we have gained access by faith into the grace by which we now stand. He grants us access into the presence of God. Matthew 27, we talk about at Easter a lot, how when Jesus, the moment He breathed His last breath, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom in two that we could have access to him. Hebrews chapter 6 says that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Paul reminds us of the great lengths that Jesus went through to grant us access to God. How many understand if someone gives you a key to something, what are they giving you? Access. I'll never forget in 2007, my, my father uh, acquired his, uh, his, one of his life dreams. He, he bought this house uh, 10 feet from the water on Lake Washington. And that was his dream about the house, retired there. And he'd, he'd been looking at this particular house for, no joke, probably 20 years. And uh, he was able to retire buy it. I was living four hours away. I really didn't even know this was going on. But he called me and he told me, son, I have just bought this house. I said, dad, that is wonderful. And he said, I just closed on it. I'm here right now. He said, I'm leaving a key. And he told me where he was leaving the key. He said, so when you come down here, he said, use that key to get in. He said, and then just let that key be yours. He said that on the day he bought it. You know why he wanted, you know why he told me that? He wanted me to have access. And he wasn't giving me access conditional on someone else's calendar. He said, take the key, use it, it's yours. But can I tell you, if if we don't use that access, 
Access that is not used is wasted. Access that's not used is denied. Can I tell you, you and I have been granted access to the greatest spot in the universe. And that spot is the presence of God. Jesus gave us access to God the Father. He's given us the keys. We don't have to call to make an appointment, but like a son or daughter with their father, we can just walk in, have communication, let our petition be known before the Lord. He's given us peace with God so that we can have access with our Heavenly Father. That's why Hebrews 4 says, Let us boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. I, there's this little thing that's going on when I'm in my office during the week, whether I, really, usually whether I have my door open or shut, if Pastor Bethany or one of the other staff members come, usually they kind of not before they walk in. I've never told them to do that. They just, it's just kind of what they do. Can I tell you, my two daughters, they have not knocked yet. And it don't matter if the door is open, cracked, or closed. They just walk in. You know why? Because it's their father's place. Can I tell you, you have, you have been given access to your heavenly Father. We have peace with God, which means I'm not a stranger, I'm not a foreigner, I'm not an alien, I'm not, someone, I'm not a second-class citizen, I'm not someone that barely came in, but I'm a son and daughter of God, a co-heir with Christ, so we can boldly walk on in because we have peace with God. Friends, let us not deny the access we've been granted by staying away from the presence of God. We need the grace of God. And here's the good news. The third thing that peace of God does, it says He gives us power or grace to stand. We have access by faith and to His grace in which now we stand. Do you know the same grace that covered your sin, erased your past, is available to help you stand right now? The grace of God, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness, but also teaches us how to live. And I love that Paul said, it gives us the grace to stand in this present age. You know why Paul said in this present age? Because Paul was pretty convinced that the present age he was living in was really dark. Do you ever feel like the present age we're living in? It's kind of dark. Do you ever worry about, man, what kind, of, what kind of world will my kids or grandkids inherit? I'll just be honest with you. For, for this dad and this pastor, that can bring a little bit of pause to me. But, but Paul says, the needed grace for this dark world is available to us. No matter how dark the world may be, His grace is greater. Sometimes I look at the world and I think, God, this world is getting so dark. 
let us not forget that his grace is greater. I said his grace is greater. Amen? We can, you, you, can, you can send your kids, you can send yourself, you can send whoever into whatever place you feel is dark with confidence that though sin abounds, the grace of God much more abounds. And that grace doesn't just cover my sin, but that grace teaches me to say no, and it teaches me to how to live for God. That grace teaches me and sustains me and supports me. It leads me and guides me. And it doesn't matter how dark the cave may be. It's the grace of God that leads me through the light of His Word, through the darkness. And all of that is a, is a response to the reality that I have grace and peace with God. The power of sin will always be overpowered by the grace of God. I want to say that again. The power of sin will always be overpowered by the grace of God. Some of you are worried because it's really time for me to stop. And I always have three points, at least. Sometimes I have five or six. I got good news for you. You can have peace. Today I only have two points. <laughs> Here, point number two. Peace with God supersedes war with the world. Now, this might not go like you think it's going to go. You might think that peace with God equals peace with everybody else. But it doesn't. You can have peace with God in war with the world. You can have peace with God, but hell on your job. You can have peace with God and crazy people. In your life. But here's the thing. The peace of God supersedes the war in our world. It doesn't mean that everything becomes easy. It just means that we have peace with God above everything else. Peace with God does not change other people. But it changes me. Peace with God, it changes how I fight my battle, how I respond to the world, the hope I embrace, the peace I have with God no matter where life takes me. It doesn't matter who's against me because I know who's for me because I have peace with God. See, I'm fighting today's battle. Not because, not because, not because everything's peaceful. If everything's peaceful, you don't have battles. But I have peace with God, so I fight today's battle from a place of peace. I know the storm may be raging, but I got the peace speaker in my boat. I've got peace with God. Here's the second thing about the peace of God. I told you I had two points. I didn't tell you I got some subpoints. I realized that the attacks on my life, because I have peace of God, I realized that the attacks on my life are limited. And hope does not disappoint us. This past Wednesday night, we had technical difficulties, so I don't know if you can watch it or not. You can go home and see. 
Wednesday night I preached a message in here during our prayer meeting called, What Do You Do When God Says No? What do you do when you feel like you've prayed one thing and God answered a different way? Sometimes we feel like hope disappoints us. I've had moments where I felt like I was disappointed, but here's the thing. The attacks on my life are limited. Well, Pastor, how are they limited? Well, the, number one, they're limited in time. Every, the peace with God is going to outlast every war that comes against my life. That's why Paul said in Romans 8 that I consider these present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. They're limited in time. They're also limited in scope. They may affect my body. They may affect my mind, but they can't affect my soul. They may take my life. They may take my mind. But they're not going to steal the impact of my life. They're limited because the attacks, when I have peace with God, instead of destroying me, they just develop me. Right? I rejoice in sufferings because it's going to produce something. It's going to produce perseverance and character and hope. Any battle that's in my life right now, while not caused by God, can be redeemed by God. Sometimes we get this theology that we believe that everything that happens to us is because God made it so. Well, God has a reason for putting this sickness, hardship, lack, whatever, in my life. Can I tell you, that's a, that's a, that's a bad way of believing. It ignores several things. It ignores that sometimes Greg Sanders makes dumb decisions. It ignores that sometimes people around me make dumb decisions that affect me. It ignores that the enemy is working against me. It ignores the fact that we live in a fallen world, right? You can go to uh, the nicest plant store you can find and buy yourself a jar of dirt and go dump that in a flower pot and leave it there and guess what's going to grow? Weeds, right? Is anybody in the room good at growing weeds? We all are left on our own devices. They're nothing but a curse. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter... How, how the battle comes. The good news is this. No matter what happens to me, God can redeem it for His purpose. I can have peace with God, and that promises me that whatever comes my way, that He can work it for good. Let me close this way. Megan, if you want to come. i got three takeaways I want to give you real quick. Number one, realize God is for you. He's not battling against you. Our sin, does, our sin does battle against His abundance, His joy, His will, His desire for us. But God is for you. Second takeaway, peace with God does not mean that life will be peaceful. But it means that you can experience peace with God, which leads to the peace of God, 
even when the chaos is around you. And my third takeaway for you this morning is this. You have access to him. Use it. I would be, I would be so, I would be so hurt. More than that, I would be confused. If one of my kids told their sibling, hey, go tell dad this for me. My first response would be, why didn't you just come tell me that? Why didn't you just come ask me that? You both have equal access. Can I tell you, all of us in this room, you have equal access to God because we have peace with God. I want to pray this morning if you say, Pastor, I have been living under this mindset, attitude, deception is what it really is. And I have felt that God is working against me instead of for me. And today the Lord wants you to reverse that way of thinking. More than that, He wants to prove Himself to you that He is working for you and not against you. And sometimes life is hard. Sometimes people hurt us. Sometimes disappointments come and convince us. I have no idea why I grew up for 19 years in a wonderful church with wonderful parents and wonderful pastors. I have nothing to say about my childhood except for the word wonderful. But yet I was convinced that somehow God was against me instead of for me. It's, it, it, it's an easy deception to fall into. But God is for you, not against you. And they say, Pastor, I've been living a life feeling like, thinking like God was against me. And today I need to give him opportunity to change my mindset. And I just need my mindset to change. I need him to transform my thinking in that area of my life because he is for you. If that's you today, would you just lift a hand real quick? Pray for me, Pastor. Amen. 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 I see those hands in the balcony and on the floor. Number two, church, peace with God doesn't mean life will be peaceful, but it does mean that God is with you and for you in the storms of life. And if you're in a storm this morning, remember, you have access to him. Don't deny it. Instead, use it. Because there's one place that chaos cannot follow you, and that is into the presence of God. And I would challenge you when the storm is overwhelming, go into a place where the storm is off limits. That's the presence of God. And while I'm praying for those who lifted a hand, if you're in a storm today, why don't you take advantage of that access? Begin to go into a place the storm cannot follow the presence of Jesus. Would you do that with your own prayer time? I want to pray for those who lifted their hand. Let's all join in prayer together. Father, we love you. I just thank you for every person in the, church, in the room today, even those watching online. Lord, you came that we could have peace with God. And I pray that today every person in this room would take advantage of that. That we would not deny ourselves this great gift of being justified by faith and enjoying peace with God. Lord, I pray against every thought process that might be active in someone's mind that has convinced them that somehow that they have to earn your favor, earn right standing, be good enough. 
Lord, that that would be replaced with the recognition that you did what we can't do. You lived that sinless life. You died that sacrificial death so that we could have right standing with God. You rose again so we could walk into his presence, have access with, with our Heavenly Father. Well, I pray that those mindsets that are convinced that, God, you're working against people would be transformed. And we would transform that mindset by instead of thinking you're working against us, we would begin to work with you, participate in those, those nudges of the Holy Spirit that are going to lead us and guide us and direct us, that we would respond with you by, by yielding those things that are in our hands so we can take a hold of every good thing that's in your hand. Because, Lord, you're not working against us. You are working for us in every moment. You're working here in this life. You're also working for us in the next life. It's all work you're doing on our behalf. And, God, I pray that those who are in the storms of life today, when they need places and moments of peace and comfort, they will be reminded that they have access to such a place. It is the presence of Jesus. Let us, let us not be strangers there. Let us not be people that just venture into your presence occasionally. But God, let us enter boldly and regularly because we have peace with God. You're welcoming us. You're drawing us. Let us, re let us respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.